Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 345 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am so thrilled that you are here with me today as we are talking to Maylee Chai on the magic of writing short stories. And I was super excited to talk to her as I have such a deep admiration for the short story as an art form. And it was very exciting to talk to her about this and about finding writing inspiration from poetry. And I just love talking to her and you are going to enjoy the show. So hang on for that. What has been going on around here? Um, I got a little bit sick got a little bit of an infection that required some antibiotics to fix. And I felt real bad, real bad for about two and a half, three days. I'm still not feeling up to scratch. And I remembered for once to ask for what I needed, which was a little bit of time for my students, because usually I start delivering their question and answer videos, which I take very seriously and love doing. Um, I asked to deliver them late because this week has been rough. And I asked for some grace for myself, which, oh boy, I am so good at giving to everybody else and encouraging everyone else to take. We can only do what we can do. And beating ourselves up does not make it go easier or faster, although it does feel like it does. And I'm laughing because I don't believe it, even as the words are coming out of my mouth, but I do. We have to be kind. We have to be kindest to ourselves when it comes to resting and reaching for health and doing the things we need to do. So I tried not to beat myself up this week that I wasn't getting the work done and doing the unpacking and painting the room behind me. And I really can't do any of the unpacking until that room is painted and I can put back up the shelves and things like that. So I've been trying to be gentle with myself. One lovely thing though, is that on the day I got sick, we got our loner dog, Patty, for four days. So it has been a joy having him here. And it turns out that this house is a great house to have a dog in. And The streets around us are wonderful for walking this dog, although Lala has done most of that. So now I'm thinking dog thoughts and cat thoughts and trying to roll slow, keep myself in check a little bit longer. I always want to do all the things all at once and I can't, and that is okay. Um, What else has been going on? Really not that much. I I think you're pretty much caught up on what is going on around here. So I want to thank a couple of new patrons, uh, Miko Ivanov. I would like to wish for you that you are able to find just the right words to make someone realize exactly how much you care for them in a way that they will always cherish and never forget. And for new patron Plotter, yes, the visual story planning software, um, for Plotter, I wish for you the ease of planning in whatever you do this week, whether it is shopping for groceries or planning for a party or creating the next novel. It's kind of delightful to send a wish out to an app. So thank you, both of you, Miko and Plotter, for supporting me over at patreon.com slash Rachel. It means so much to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
from the bottom of my heart. And now let us just jump right into the interview. And here is Maylee's bio. Maylee Chai is the author of the American Book Award-winning story collection, Useful Phrases for Immigrants, and 10 other books. Her prize-winning short prose has been published widely, including in the New England Review, Missouri Review, 17, The Rumpus, Ziziva, The LA Times, Dallas Morning News, and The San Francisco Chronicle. The recipient of an NEA Fellowship in Prose, Chai is an associate professor in the creative writing department at San Francisco State University. Tomorrow in Shanghai and Other Stories is her most recent release. And now, please enjoy this interview. Please enjoy your own writing and come find me somewhere online and tell me about it because I really want to know. Happy writing, my friends. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours, which is, by the way, totally doable, and I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing, and of revision, and of story structure, and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I am so pleased to welcome you to the show today. Hello, will you please share your name and your pronouns with us? Sure, thank you. My name is Maylee Chai, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you. You are in the San Francisco Bay Area, where a lot of my family is. How are you doing with all of the flooding? Are you okay? I'm okay. It's been it's been different. We've had yesterday. We had hail. We had also simultaneous thunder, which is. Uh, something I don't ever remember happening before in January in San Francisco. So a lot of tree limbs have gone down. Fortunately, um, like I haven't been flooded in my apartment building, um, but I know other people whose whose streets have have been flooded and who've had roof damage or they've had to lose trees. And it's 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 kind of scary. I've been watching it on social media, and it looks scary. My sister, one of my sisters, lives out near Pescadero, and so they're on well water. And they've had no power, so they've had no water. And it's just, it's intense. So yeah, best of luck. Stay dry, please. Um, Let's talk about writing. So you have recently come out with Tomorrow in Shanghai and other stories. And I would love to talk about that. But I'd also love to talk to you first about your writing process. This is a show about process. When and where and how do you fit writing into your life? That is always the question, isn't it? Since I, you know, I work full time, I'm a professor at San Francisco State, and I'm acting chair of the department this year. So it's been really busy. Wow. Uh, just to put it mildly, and I'm a caregiver uh, for my 90 year old immunocompromised father. And during the pandemic, that's been especially difficult because there's been so many anti Asian attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even in San Francisco here, I've had to report like 11 different incidents to stop. AAPI hate. So, um, so it has been, thank you, stressful. It's been stressful. Um, So my writing practice is really focused when I have time, then I, you know, really intensely put time into it, but I have to write in small chunks. Um, I don't have time every day, like on my teaching days, I just mentally am not in that space. So I can't write on a teaching day. Um, 
But because I have been writing for a long time now, so when I do have that time to write, then I can really just kind of drop into it, write, and then drop out of it. And so one of the things I have in my classes is for students to think about their own writing process and to be aware of what they need. And, you know, like I, I basically, I can't, I cannot write with a lot of music on, or I can't write if I'm really hot. <laughs> I have like weird things. I can't, I, I can't have like a TV on in the background or something. Um, like I can only write in my apartment. Like some people I admire, they can be in public, they can be in a coffee shop and people can be all around them doing things. I can't, that's so distracting to me. Um, and then like there's certain times of the day, like if it's midday and um, I'm used to answering emails and doing work, I can't write because my brain mm. is just wired to be thinking about work. So I, I, I know the kind of peace and quiet and kind of physical space I need for when I'm running. And so when I have that moment, I can take it. That's beautiful that you know your process. And also we don't talk about that enough that our brains expect certain things at certain times. And so they start gearing up for it. There's a, um, there's a book that came out a couple of years ago called never enough. And it was about the science of addiction. And this woman in her uh, doctoral thesis proved that if a person has a cocktail, like a Manhattan at 5 PM every day, if they have it at 4 PM one day, they will actually get more drunk on it because their brain hasn't started to bring them into the space yet of drinking. So making them a little bit more tense. So then the relaxing effects will hopefully achieve stasis. And I, ever since reading that book, I can tell that in my own brain too. Like if I just throw myself at writing when I am normally doing emails or podcasting or something like that, my brain throws up the red flags. But if I do it when my writing time normally is, it's ready to go. That's interesting. I hadn't, I I'm so happy you told me that. So I know it's not just me and some weird quirk and I'm just not disciplined enough to like be able to do that. So I'm, I'm you know, I don't, I'm not happy that other people suffer in this way, but it, but it does kind of reassure me that I'm not alone in that like, oh, look, I've got a spare hour in the middle of the day. Why don't I use it better? And it's, I just can't. I, yeah. I think possibly we can use those hours, but not as well as we could the hours yeah. where our brains are ready, ready to write. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. What is um, your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um, the biggest challenge has been ergonomic, frankly speaking. Hmm. Um, just I've reached a point like I had severe tendonitis. I had, I had, um, I had broken my ergonomic desk chair, and so for a while I was working without an ergonomic hmm. desk chair. That was a huge mistake. I did that for a couple of months, and then um, I got to a point where I couldn't even type. I was in so much pain. I had to mm. do the the nighttime braces. So I mean, it's terrible, but I, I think it's really important to talk about ergonomics, mm -hmm. and you know, get that ergonomic desk set up, get the ergonomic keyboard. Writing is people don't think of it as being a physical profession. It absolutely is. Um, and I have learned the hard way that if I don't pay attention to that, I pay the price. So that has been, that has really been the most difficult physical challenge. Oh, that's uh, so frustrating and scary too. So you, do you use the split keyboard, the ergo keyboard that way? I, I have two different keyboards. One is a split keyboard and it's kind of tented in the middle. And I use mm -hmm. that. Um, it got me through the worst period when I was just in excruciating pain. Um, and now since I've been doing occupational therapy for a year and I do my exercises and I'm mindful, I've gone, uh, more to a, a flat keyboard, but it's still, um, kind of ergonomic design. I have a wrist, um, 
brace and I make sure that my wrists are level as opposed to like, you know, up or kind of down, which they say is really bad. Um, and so, yeah, I switch off between the two. Um, and that way I'm always mindful and I don't, you don't want to get to that state where you're not thinking about your body yeah. and where you're sitting, you're just kind of pushing through it. Which is what I do a lot of the time. Thank you for reminding us of that. And I also like moving my mouse to the left. Sometimes I'm usually a right left person, yeah, right person with the mouse that that can sometimes help when I'm getting those wrist things. Thank you for that. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Oh, the biggest joy. Um, you know, I like having, I just like having time to write, <laughs> being able to carve out that space and to be able to write and to feel like I'm making progress. Um, I don't ever feel like I'm done. So I can't say when I'm finished, but I feel like I just, I feel like that middle state of like, oh, I'm making progress and I'm enthusiastic and I've got this time carved out and I can just get into that groove. You know, I don't have to finish it in the day, but just feeling like I've made progress just brings me great joy. I love that. If you were to be given on a, on a random Wednesday, your ideal length of time that you would spend in your writing or revising, what would that be? Um, you know, the occupational therapist says you're only like, they only want you to sit for 45 minutes. I can't accomplish anything in 45 minutes. It's just, yeah. you know, I'm just not that fast. Um, but if I could have like a two hour block. And so that gives me the time to like kind of ease into it and ease out of it. And then I don't mm. have to, cause I've got two hours then I don't have to be, I don't have to feel rushed. Yeah. Um, but I know I, I, it's terrible to admit that because I know from the occupational therapist that you're really supposed to get up and start moving every 45 minutes. I have put those reminders on my computer before, like the little apps and things that tell you to get up and move. And then I just become an absolute expert in silencing them. Just, I, and I don't see them after a while. Yeah. And as we're talking, I'm feeling myself sit up, sitting up straighter and yeah. <laughs> Can you share a craft <laughs> tip with us of any sort? Sure. And this kind of goes into like getting like, there are times as we all have, I imagine, like I just, I'm, I'm at an utter blank. And even if I have an ongoing project, I'll just like, I can't trick my mind into letting go of the daily worries and clutter and just answering emails or appointments. I've got a schedule. It's just the horrible dailiness of that. And so um, there's a number of like different books that are very, I kind of like poetry. I don't write poetry, mm. but I love reading poetry because, because I don't write poetry. And so I can just open a book and pick out a line and it'll be so interesting and so intriguing about how poets use language yeah. that it will take me out of my, just my prosaic mind and thinking of the lists I've got to get done. And there'll be an image or a turn of phrase that will just inspire me. And so I try to like write it for a little bit, like a free write for like five mm. minutes in response to that as a prompt. That's kind gorgeous. Of resets the brain for me. Does that ever work its way into anything or is that more like kind of a morning pages kind of thing just for you? I have on the rare occasion been able to turn some of those exercises. Like I'll, I don't do it immediately, but I'll set them aside and like, maybe I can develop it later and I'll be like, Oh wow, that setting or something. And I can turn it into a story or sometimes an essay, but I don't, do that with, I don't use that as my intention because then it puts too much pressure, right? Mm -hmm. If I just think of this as a free write, there's no stakes. It's just to kind of get, you know, my mind 
um, into the mood for writing, then because the stakes are so low, I can trick myself into doing it. So I talk to a lot of novelists and memoirists on this show, but I don't talk to short story writers as often. And your answer just prompted me to ask this. What, what do you love most about writing short stories? Oh, well, I love reading short stories. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I, you know, I, when I first started writing, I didn't like short stories because I found them really extremely difficult to write. And um, I feel like there was like, I would read stories like Gish Jen. Um, and I just feel like they're like perfect diamonds. They're just so perfectly polished and perfectly shaped. Um, and I could, I just, could never even aspire to that somehow. And, but I loved reading short stories and I've been reading and reading and reading short stories and I teach short stories and it just got to a point um, though that sometimes I would start writing just to get to know a character. I usually start with a character or a situation and they would then, you know, to my own surprise, develop into a short story. And then mm. now, like this is my third collection tomorrow in Shanghai. And so now I really just love it as a form. And so I no longer feel as intimidated by it. And I just, um, again, like I'll, I'll start with a character and see kind of a, like a dilemma or a situation will come to me and I'll just see where I can take it. That's so interesting to me because I have always been incredibly intimidated by the short story, but I've always, and while my novels are character based, I never even thought about starting short stories from the character Face. I always thought you had to have a fantastic plot idea in order to hold the short story up. Even though, I mean, Alice Monroe and Andrew Debuse, they 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 were all about the character. That's you just are the first person in 25 years who has made me want to write a sh- <laughs> try to attempt a short oh, story awesome. perhaps someday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what is the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career? Um, well, I mean, I think. I I mean, it's hard to start. I've had so, I feel like I've had many, many, many kindnesses, right? As as you, as you may feel in order to have a writing career, we have to constantly have people be kind and gracious um, and just, and helpful. I feel like everything I do is dependent in some way upon the kindness, you know, at some point in my life of someone else. Um, uh, So, I mean, I think I could, a recent kindness was Edward P. Jones, right? He gave me like the most amazing blurb quote for my previous collection, Useful Phrases for Immigrants. I really, I really was not expecting that from yeah. him. You know, I had reached out to him and I, I hadn't heard for a while. And I thought, well, you know, who am I? <laughs> he is this, mm-hmm. he is this giant in the field of American letters. And he writes these amazing short stories. And, and then he, came back with this most beautiful blurb. And I was like, that was real generosity. Because at his point in his career, you know, he's won a Pulitzer, he's won the MacArthur Genius Award. He is so acclaimed. He doesn't have to do this for anybody, right? And so I was just so touched and moved by that. I mean, there's all kinds of small graces that we get all the time, right? And I feel like, so that's why I feel like, try to focus on that. Because there's also, like, the... Um, unexpected slam that we also get. And so I try to like push those, even though like we, it's easy to feel really hurt and wounded when something like that happens. I try to push that aside and just focus on the kindnesses 
and the graces because um, that is how how I would say 99% of us get by. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you call them the small graces. So, so thinking of that kindness and that small grace, what is a small grace that you have given yourself as a writer? Oh, I've given myself as a writer. Um, I think I've become more forgiving of like, like on, of not being as productive as we're all told that we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first, I mean, I started out as a reporter, right. And so as a reporter, I mean, that's grueling. I was a, I started working as a reporter for the Associated Press. And when you're um, an AP reporter, wire service reporter, I mean, you're you have, you just working constantly hmm. and you're just constantly working on stories, turning over stories. Um, it's forget about a daily practice. It's almost like a 24 hour practice. Right. And so I got to a point now where like, I have to forgive myself if I don't write every single day. Right. It's yeah. just not humanly possible for me. And so I tell myself, okay, or I also have to forgive myself if I feel like my writing in a given day wasn't very good. Um, like if I look, if I, it just, try to force myself. And it's just, you know, we know when it's not working Mm -hmm. and I used to feel despondent or terrified or angry at myself or undisciplined. And I feel like now I'm like, no, I just, just need to rest today. And, and that's a small, that's a small grace, a small kindness I give myself. I love that. I was just talking to another writer recently and she said that um, she has to remember to say, to pat herself on the shoulder and say, good job, buddy. Good job. You're doing the best you can. And I just thought that was so warm and and loving. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to forget that. Thank you. What is the best book that you have read recently? And why did you love it? I know that's an impossible question to ask, which is why I always send it an email first. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, there's so many good books. Um, I can talk about a few. Um, yes, there's please. a book called Linnea Negra by Jasmina Barrera and it's it's a it's nonfiction and it's kind of like a long lyric essay and it's translated by Christina mm. McSweeney um and I just I loved it it's wild and exciting and interesting and it's about art and creating art and being a woman who creates art it's the author is a Mexican writer mm-hmm. um and she is writing about kind of this year she spent um keeping track of when she was pregnant and kind of what was changes in her body. Now I've never been pregnant or do I ever want to be pregnant? And, you know, so it's not like I, so I, it's not like I'm relating to that, but it's just yeah. so interesting and well-written and embodied. And then also she's, um, there's an earthquake that she experiences during this time in Mexico city. And then on top of that, her mother is an artist. And so she's talking about kind of her mother's artistic practice. And so there's, there's like the danger, the physical danger of the earthquake. There's just the difficulty of being a woman who's an artist. Right. And, and then there's this generational story and then there's all the changes, in her body and the discomfort of that. And it was so, um, interesting and detailed and personal and beautiful sentences and just a beautiful translation. And she's also writing in kind of dialogue with like other Mexican women, artists and indigenous women, artists and writers and writing traditions and storytelling traditions, as well as other um, women writers around the world. And I just, I found it, I found it kind of glorious because I, I feel like this is a rare narrative, right? Yeah. If you think about commercial publishing, this is not a story that I have seen told often and not I in am, this way. 
I am a freak about memoir. That is, that's my jam. And I will immediately go purchase this immediately. Can you tell me the name again? It's, it's from the Latin. It's Linnea Nigra, L-I-N-E-A, and then N-I-G-R-A. And that refers to like the line that forms on the belly of a pregnant woman. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The black line. Beautiful. Thank you. And you were going to give us maybe another one? Uh, And the other one I'm reading is, again, very different. It's The Furrows by Namwali Serpel. And um, it's a, it's so hard to describe. It's a novel and it's a novel about grief and it's a, um, uh, a, it's a kind of a dual narrative of a black woman. And then later it becomes a story of this black man. And the black woman starts off as a girl from her point of view and her brother drowns. Mm. And so it's a meditation on grief. That sounds terrible. It's not though, because um like the the brother drowns but then she keeps seeing him and so she keeps seeing him she keeps seeing him and then finally in the second half of the book she meets a man who she thinks is her brother and she's wondering how is this possible so there's these surreal elements it's also part of it is set in the bay area mm-hmm. and there's elements about the tech boom tech gentrification it's so good it's so oh, good and i had i thought of a third wonderful. book yes there's please. a third book they have to mention how high we go in the dark by sequoia nagamatsu and that was perhaps one of my favorite books of last year Ooh. and that is speculative literary fiction and it's set during a pandemic which again it sounds terrible it sounds terrible but it's it's a um kind of global warming pandemic and I, a glacier is melted and it's revealed this kind of mummy that had a virus and then the virus in, spreads and infects the world and it sounds terrible but it's it's really so interesting and well done and and just imaginative and creative and so you see and it, part of it is set in the bay area tech, san francisco bay area you see the worst tech reaction ever to a pandemic and so like there's there's these like these grieve these hotels for grieving where they have like um holograms recreating you know your loved one it's just so awful and tacky and it's meant to be awful and tacky right yeah like it's just very clever in how it's presented and then there's like the euthanasia roller coaster <laughs> so like people who have got the virus right like children get the virus and they don't it's like it's really terrible like it's a terrible and but like you could you know we're like a hop and a skip away from somebody coming up with that right and so what it is though it's a very ultimate hopeful book about how humanity is really better get its act together and come together in order to kind of like react to this um global pandemic so and that was just so wildly imaginative i really even though it sounds grim i really enjoyed it how high we go in the dark your face just lights up when you talk about all three of these books. That is that is amazing. Thank you for those. And now speaking of books, will you please tell us about your most recent collection, where we can find it, where we can find you? I know you have a cool event coming up. If you'd tell us all about that, please. Sure. Well, uh, my book is, is Tomorrow in Shanghai and, every, and Other Stories. And it's a collection of short stories about um, kind of set in China, um, the United States and other parts of the world. And it's about the Ch- Chinese diaspora. And um, it, there's an arc to it in terms of not just in terms of the stories, but also in the order of the stories. Mm-hmm. And it goes from kind of like people who are completely ground down by capitalism. Um, there's a man who's being executed as a blood seller. And then there's a surgeon who's hired to extract his organs. Uh, and so it's kind of the path of least resistance it starts with, and it goes towards 
resistance of these kind of grinding forces of capitalism. And it ends in this final story is set on a Chinese Mars colony. And it's about um, an older Chinese woman who's kind of working in the Mar working as a nanny in the Mars colony because she's got a mortgage. She's trying to, you know, save up money and pay off these debts that her son has accrued so that, you know, her grandson can finally get married. And, but it shows kind of like with, in her state of being relatively powerless, how she can kind of like find strength um, and resilience. Um, so that is that collection. Um, and it's, it should be available in independent bookstores. Um, you can look at um, bookshop.org or you could, um, you know, order it online. It's widely available right now. And I'm going to have a reading for Alaska Quarterly Review on Sunday, February 19th. And it's 5 p.m. Pacific time, San Francisco time. It'll be online. It's completely virtual. You can find it at the Alaska Quarterly Review YouTube channel. That is so cool. Tell us the date and time. It's 5 p.m. on the 19th of February, right? 2023. On the 19th of February, it's a Sunday. Yes. So it'll be and I'll be reading um, with uh, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll be reading with Irena Laura Silva, who is um, a short story writer. So that is fantastic. And where can we find you online? Um, I have a website. So it's just www.may-leechai.com. Um, I also on Twitter, Maylee Chai um, on Twitter. And then, um, you know, I have like a, a Facebook public page, although I'm less active there. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here and for talking to me and for possibly inspiring me to try to another short story for the first time since grad school. So, oh, please, please, thank Rachel, you. thank you so much. Please write a short story. <laughs> I think everyone I should write short stories. I think I think they're wonderful form. Oh, and I do love reading them. I will I will let you know. I'll keep you posted. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.